Welcome to Rainbow Rundown, where we cover entertainment and news stories from across the LGBT community. Mondays, you're on the Left of Straight Network. Enjoy the show. Well, howdy, howdy, everyone, and welcome to the Rainbow Rundown right here on the Left of Straight Radio Network. I am your host every Monday, Scott Fullerton. Thanks so much for tuning in. Here are the weekly stories and news and entertainment that hit my hot button this week. Looking forward to uh, having another great week of radio here in the Left of Straight Radio Network. We'll get to what's going on in the end, but uh, let's jump into the news, shall we? See what's going on. First off, um, I'm very happy to see that Republicans joined Democrats to pass a law banning the gay panic murder defense in New Hampshire this past week. The GOP governor, Chris Sununu, proudly signed the bill into law last week. Most Democrats supported the bill. The full House passed it in a voice vote back on March 22nd, but the Democrat that introduced the bill had to scramble to ensure Senate Republicans would pass it. He cut a deal to support a proposed state constitutional amendment to make it law that New Hampshire must hold the first in the nation presidential primary. I mean, I understand. I don't know how you can make that a law for the, the entire country, but I guess for them they need to. But he said that Democrat leadership uh, did not back the deal, so he actually left the party and became an independent. But the good news is he got this passed. The state Senate passed the bill in a voice vote in June. Like I said, it was signed in last week. What the law does, it forbids homicide defendants from claiming temporary insanity because of an LGBT, LGBTQ plus person made a sexual advance toward them. Oh, no. In 2013, the American Bar Association released a unanimous resolution asking all governments from federal to state to tribal to even local to ban the defense. Still, as of now, there's only 15 states that have actually banned it now, with New Hampshire becoming the 15th. According to the Movement Advance Project, the LGBTQ plus panic defense generally isn't used independently, but it's often used alongside other defense strategies to advocate for leniency. The defense has been used in several prominent cases. It gained national attention back in 1995, where a gay man, Scott Amador, told his straight friend Jonathan Schmidt that he was attracted to him on the Jenny Jones show. I remember this. It was kind of wild. The guy was really upset on the show. Three days later, Schmitz, the straight guy that the guy said he had, was attracted to, shot gay amateur and turned himself into police. He argued in court that he was embarrassed on national TV and he avoided a first-degree murder conviction because he was convicted only of second-degree murder. The use of the gay panic defense became more and more publicly discussed with the murder of Matthew Shepard. Of course, his killer claimed that Matthew came on to him in the duo as well, so... Good on New Hampshire, a generally Republican-leading state, for passing this legislature to get rid of the gay panic murder defense, because we all know that was a bunch of love. 
My next story I got for you today is a follow-up report. I talked about it a couple of weeks back on the Rainbow Rundown. North Carolina Republicans unfortunately overrode the governor's veto on three anti-trans bills. Talked about this a while back. Democratic Governor Roy Cooper had passed, had vetoed three um, anti-trans legislations, but the Republican legislature has a veto-proof majority and was able to override the Republicans, uh, the Democrats' veto this week. So the three bills voted for um, by Gay by Roy Cooper in July mirror other anti-LGBT legislation that's been passed in state houses across the country. In North Carolina, it was Bill HB 808, which bans North Carolina doctors from providing gender-affirming health care to transgender minors. It includes puberty blockers and hormone therapy. Even though every major medical organization in the United States recognizes that gender-affirming health care is evidence-based safe, and it's also effective, it can be medically necessary to treat gender dysmorphia. Uh, HB 574, the second bill they overturned, bans transgender women and girls in middle school, from high school, and college from competing on women's and girls' sports teams. And then finally, SB 49 bans instruction on gender identity, sexual activity, or sexuality in kindergarten through fourth grade. It also requires school officials to notify parents if a student has to be addressed by name uh, or a different name or pronoun that does not align with the name they were assigned at birth, potentially outing a trans person and non-binary kids. So this is a law that passed in Florida a while back. We've talked about it a few times on here. Now it's legal in North Carolina. All these go into effect immediately. Um, it's just very, very sad. It does not affect anyone that was going through the hormone or began hormone treatment therapy prior to August 1st, as long as the doctors determine the treatment's medically necessary and their parents have consented. But before, that's all you needed. If a, if a doctor thought it was advisable and the parents consented, then any um, child that felt they were trans um, could take these uh, hormone blockers. I mean, the right has been saying this forever, that it's all about any minor being able to change this without any parental supervision. That is not the case in every state where this is allowed. Uh, it does take the um, approval by parents. So, unfortunately, North Carolina is uh, got rid of these three laws that the Democratic governor vetoed. So, we'll have more on that, I'm sure, as time goes on, because it's just not a good thing to happen. Uh, I'm going to talk about book banning again. It's been on the news a couple of times in Rainbow Rundowns. This time, a town fired a librarian who had been working there for 11 years in the city library system, all because she refused to remove LGBTQ books from the library. One resident touted the teen section and claimed that 60% of the books were witchcraft, which is silly. A pattern of outrage and outside influences ended up with the head of the local library in Gillette, Wyoming, getting fired. In late July, the board of the Campbell County Public Library System voted four to one to terminate the library director, Terry Leslie. 
He had the job for 11 years and was in the employee in the system since 1996. It's been two years of chaotic board meetings and library confrontations. Uh, with the guidance of the Library Council, which is a Florida-based far-right organization, those are the ones that have been challenging these book bans. Uh, residents in the Wisconsin challenged 29 books, including frequent, tar frequent targets in the culture war, like the book Gender Queer, the award-winning memoir by Maya Kobabi, Lawn Boy by Jonathan Evison, and This Book is Gay by Juno Dawson. I've talked about those in previous shows. Last October, the Library Board voted to um, cut ties with the American Library Association. That's a staunch defender of first American rights after dropping anti-censorship policies from library standards and adding language on removing sexually explicit material in order to protect children. So another library, another set of book bannings, just getting ridiculous anymore. This time we had a librarian who worked there for 11 years, fired for not taking books down in a public library. Absolutely disgraceful as far as I'm concerned and uh, shouldn't be happening. Next story we're gonna talk about tonight, we have uh, a Catholic preschools are suing to get state money while banning kids of same-sex couples. Uh, it's a Colorado state funding program for, peace, for preschool. Currently, they cannot discriminate against anybody. They say denying them funding violates their religious freedom. Uh, the rule was signed into law last year. And what the program does, it establishes to provide Colorado families with 15 hours of state-funded preschool per week, absolutely free to the families. In a statement, Colorado Governor Jared Polis, who's a Democrat and also out and gay for the family, his office says it was unfortunate to see different groups of adults attempting to co-op preschool for themselves, perhaps because they wanted to not allow gay parents to send their kids to preschool. The voters were clear on their support for a parent's choice and a universal mixed delivery system that is independently run. It doesn't discriminate against anyone and offers free preschool to every child, no matter who their parents are. So this is a bill that passed with flying colors to give free, free, free preschool. And now the archdiocese even admits that instructs all Catholic schools to take into consideration whether a family or child seeking placement in their schools has identified as LGBTQ or if they're in a same-sex relationship or has parents in a same-sex relationship, or if the parents adopted a, a gender identity different from his or her biological sex. It's in accordance with Catholic beliefs, they argue that the plaintiffs do not believe adhering to these beliefs constitute discrimination. Bullshit. USA Today denotes the Denver Archdiocese 2019 guidance for issues concerning the human person and sexual identity recommends that Catholic schools deny enrollment to transgender students and treat parents in same-sex relationships differently than heterosexual parents. The lawsuit is seeking a preliminary permit injunction against the non-discrimination requirements, allowing the archdiocese to discriminate against LGBTQ plus people while still receiving state funds for their preschool. 
absolutely ridiculous. They go out and say that they're not going to allow LGBT people, but they want the state to help them pay for their program. Absolutely ridiculous. All right, back again is only in Ohio because, you know, I like to report about goofy things that happen in this state. Our state used to be purple here in Ohio. Now it's progressively turning red faster and faster. But a lesbian highway patrol officer here faced decades of terrible discrimination. She just won a $2.6 million lawsuit in court. Her supervisors allegedly put porn in her locker, called her stupid and butch, asked her about her sex life. But a six-person federal jury has awarded $2.6 million to the former highway patrol officer. Um, she has been faced with anti-women and anti-lesbian discrimination. Her name was Stacy Arnold Yerkes. She worked as an OSHP officer from 1994 to 2018. She became an award-winning sergeant during her 25 years with patrol. During that time, she said her direct supervisors harassed her and punished her more severely than her male heterosexual co-workers. The supervisor was led to refer to women as cunts and fucking cunts and bitches and all the words you don't want to associate with any female that's derogatory. They made comments like, women are only promoted here because they are women, not because of merit. The only reason women are allowed to perform lower than men is because they are women. They allegedly told her that her short hair looked stupid and butch. When she arrived one day in makeup and earrings, they allegedly commented, what is she trying to do, be a girl now? When she requested to take family medical leave for the birth of her son, her request was denied, allegedly because she had a wife and was told it's not the same as a heterosexual request for family leave. So by February 2018, she was told she had to accept the following as a last chance agreement. To continue working, she would have to accept a demotion, a department change, a surgical tattoo removal, and a withdrawal of her complaint against the uh, department. Instead, she chose to retire and sue the officers and her supervisors. The jury awarded Yerkes over $1.3 million in compensatory damages and over $624,000 in back pay and over $684,000 in lost pay. So altogether, $2.6 million for this female Ohio Highway Patrol officer well-deserved on her. That's just a bunch of baloney. This discrimination is still happening, especially when she's in the department for so long and that she'd won awards for her work as an officer. So good on her. I hope she spends some money wisely. And I'm glad the Highway High Patrol got kind of dinged like that. Um, one of the last things I'm going to put about... Um, is very sad. I got one more after this. But a California woman was gunned down over the weekend for displaying a pride flag. A California business owner, Laura Ann Carlton, was shot and killed Friday evening after a dispute over a pride flag she displayed outside her shop. Authorities received reports that someone had been shot at the Magpie Clothing Store in Cedar Glen, California. It's very near Lake Arrowhead. One of my best friend's brothers lives very close to that area there. Uh, the police went to the scene and found 66-year-old 
uh, Carlton with a gunshot wound. He was pronounced dead at the scene by the San Bernardino County Sheriff's Department. A suspect in the shooting fled the area on foot before authorities located them. The suspect was armed with a handgun and a confrontation occurred between the suspect and police and the suspect was killed in the incident. Uh, so this happened, like I said, outside of um, Lake Arrowhead, California. And it was all about her having a rainbow flag in front of her shop. She was not even gay. She was a supporter of everybody. She was an LGBTQ ally. She was the mother of a blended family of nine. She was the wife of a man in town there. She's being remembered as a pillar of the community, and social media said she was a fierce LGBTQ ally. Today was a very sad day for Lake Arrowhead and the LGBTQ community. Our friend and supporter, Lori Carlton at Magpie Shop, was murdered defending her LGBTQ plus pride flag in front of her store in Cedar Glen, California. So very sad day. A local food co-op, uh, Mountain Provisions, wrote, Lori was a pillar in our community an immovable force in her values, equality, love, and justice. If you knew Lori, you knew she loved hard, she laughed often, and nurtured and protected those she cared about. She was a force to be reckoned with, she loved to crack jokes, and she wanted to live life as joyful as possible. So very sad thing happening in a hometown that I know well because of my, bro uh, my best friend's brother living there. And the last one thing I'll talk about before we move on to entertainment today, um, Baylor University gets exemption from LGBTQ-related sexual harassment ban. The Religious Exemption Accountability Project filed a complaint with the Department of Education Civil Rights Office in 2021 on behalf of Veronica Bonifacio. Um, she was from uh, Bonifacio Pinales, excuse me. Pinellas was a queer woman who graduated from Baylor this past May, um, in 2021 actually, said that while she was a student at the school based in Waco, Texas, she was frequently harassed by fellow students and the university did absolutely nothing about it. Sticky notes with anti-LGBTQ slurs were left on the door to her dorm room. Students put homophobic posts on social media about her. She also said Baylor's policy opposing same-sex relationships forced her to hide her identity. She argued these um, actions violated Title IX of the Education Amendments of 1972. And the reason I bring this story up is very good friends of the show. If you know uh, Emerson Collins, who is a great friend of my show, part of the Sorted Lives, who's now starring in the Red Suitcase in L.A. right now. And of course, his good friend, Justin Martindale, both graduated from Baylor, always been a Christian institution. They were able to work in the theater department there and came out there. So it's very sad this is happening. So what happened is the uh, Department of Education just this past month decided to give them a, a pass from having to deal with this anti-discrimination bill for LGBTQ people. So based on their religious affiliation as a school, they do not have to comply with any discrimination to LGBTQ people. It gives them basically a free right to discriminate at Baylor University. So this came across my radar. I feel sad for it. Like I said, um, 
Emerson Collins and Justin Martindale both graduated from there. They talk about um, the merits of the school, but this is definitely not something I wanted to see today in my notes. So that's all the main news for the week. Let's go ahead and jump into uh, entertainment, shall we? Lots of entertainment, as always. It was exciting this week. If you're a morning person, Good Morning America threw an on-air lesbian bachelorette party. Uh, it was a beach party theme. Uh, they had musical performances. They had cake. Uh, they threw a big bachelorette party for Robin Roberts and her partner, Amber Lane. They enjoyed a tropical-themed celebration with their closest friends and family and some of Robin's colleagues. The Wednesday installment of the show um, they gave great well wishes to her. There was a tropical theme and palm trees and a sunset backdrop, and it was very exciting. They said because the couple's favorite places, one of their favorite places is Key West, they wanted to keep the the uh, beach theme for them. They had guests such as uh, Nisi Nash was there. They brought in their good friends, Deborah Roberts, Diane Sawyer, Gail King, Juju Chang. Um, Robert's sister, Sally Ann Roberts, also gave the couple a very cool, unique gift. It was a personalized cutting board inscribed with Robert's favorite family recipe. Robin Roberts' mom passed away in 2012, and uh, so this was a recipe for her mom's rosemary chicken that her sister gave to her. So made Robin cry. It was very cute. Before the party ended, Michael Strahan announced that the party had an additional surprise. It's not a party without a cake. And so the crew members wheeled in a huge three-tiered cake onto the set. And gay TV personality Tommy Daddario then popped out of the cake as a wedding surprise and cheered for everyone before the girl group En Vogue performed for the couple. Of course, Tommy Daddario is husband to Gio Benitez, who's one of the weekend anchors for Good Morning America. So all a lot of lighthearted fun. But, I mean, come on. We have a national television show giving a lesbian bridal shower. Bachelorette party. How cool is that? I kind of loved it. I saw little bits and pieces of it. It looked like it was a lot of fun. So good for them. I also have a follow-up on last week's story, Red, White, and Royal Blue. Of course, I told you I fell in love with the movie on Amazon Prime. It debuted last weekend. Um, it's a fantastic queer romantic comedy. It talks about the son of the first woman U.S. president, played by Taylor Zakhar Perez, and a British prince, Nicholas Galatine, falling in love. It was released on Amazon Prime last weekend. It was the number one movie globally on the streamer for the premiere weekend. And it's also being touted as Prime Video's third highest watch romantic comedy of all time. Not saying what the other two were. Um, not only are Prime Video customers flocking to the film, but according to Amazon, they've had a huge surge in new Prime membership signups through the film's release. So. I thought it was a very cute film. I talked about it in last week's Rainbow Rundown. If you've not seen it yet, and there's not many queer people that haven't, I definitely recommend seeing it. But they have a new deleted scene that's out now that I'm going to play in just a couple of seconds. 
very cute. And if you don't know the plot of the movie, um, basically this uh, the president's son and the spare prince um, of England uh, are frenemies at first. They end up falling in love and it's just very cute. It was written by Casey McQuinston, who identifies as non-binary. It was directed by award-winning playwright Matthew Lopez, co-written by him and Ted Malawar. So let's go ahead and play this bonus scene that didn't make it in the film. It's a very cute scene between them as well. If you've not seen Red, White, and World Blue yet on Amazon Prime, I definitely recommend it. I'll be back right after this clip. How's it going? Great. Don't lie. It's a disaster. Nora, not even Meryl Streep could pretend to like Henry. Okay, Alex, play nice. I'm trying. He's just so insufferable. You're not exactly a walk in the park either. Did you just overhear my conversation? Yes. He said insufferably. You're actually stealing food from the guest quarters. I was out. I knew they'd have you stocked up. Have you given any thought as to what you might say tomorrow? You know, to convince the world that we're actually friends? How hard can it be? Listen, if you're not even gonna try, there's no point in doing this at all. Nothing goes better with leftover cake than ice cream with my good pal <laughs> at Prince Henry Yuck. Prince Henry UK. Hashtag I'm taller. Geotag Kensington Palace and posted. Ah, oh, 14,000 likes in two seconds. Not my record, but whatever. Don't worry, Your Majesty. You're doing a little professional. There you go. I liked it. That was a fun little bonus clip. All right. Next thing up in entertainment, actress Annette Benning, who I absolutely love from The American President. And she was in um, my superhero movie, uh, Marvel, Miss um, Marvel. What, what was the original one called? I don't know, the original Carol Danvers Marvel movie. Um, but I just rewatched that again recently. But actress Annette Benning says she learned so much from her brilliant transgender son. In an interview with The Holiday Reporter this past week, Benning opened up more than she ever has before about her trans son, Stephen Ira. She also spoke about her support for LGBTQ rights and striking actors and writers. Stephen's now 31 years old. He came out as trans in his teens. Bennett says, my son's incredibly brilliant. I mean, I have four amazing children. I love all my kids. But Stephen has always been a very highly literary person. I just read his latest poem that was published. And she's just so extremely proud of him. Um, she said he's carved his own way on her own. It's something that she really admires about him. And this is her kind of first far-ranging interview about her son because they're both very private people. So I thought it was a great article. If you haven't had a chance to read it again, it's um, it's in The Hollywood Reporter. You can read it online. I thought it was very cool. Um, 
She just brought, she talked about it now because they've been vilifying her community and creating problems that don't exist. Creating and sowing hate is a fear of them rallying their base. It's obviously not new, Bennett says. It's happening campaigns of the past, especially against gay people. But now it's transphobia and just pretty rampant. So she talked about that. She also talked about, because she's an activist on so many levels, um, including abortion rights and workers' rights, she recently became chair of the board for the Entertainment Community Fund, um, it used to be known as the Actors Fund. If you're into business, you know all about it. The Actors Fund assists performing artists with financial needs. And right now, the demand for it has risen greatly in the past few months, all because of the actors and writers strike going on right now. Since May, it's distributed more than $4 million to 2,000 film and television workers via the Work Stoppage Fund. And one thing that she couldn't talk about due to the strike was her next big film project. She's It's called Nyad, in which she plays a lesbian swimming champion, Diana Nyad. So union members are barred from promoting the films they're on right now. She hasn't got a waiver for it. But it's a great article in The Hollywood Reporter, if you've not seen it yet. And I'm just such a fan of Annette Bening. I always have been. American President, one of my all-time favorite movies. And again, uh, Miss Marvel or whatever her superhero one's called um, was excellent as well. I just saw that not too long ago. Next up in entertainment, I'm going to talk about Showtime's highly anticipated queer limited series. It's called Fellow Travelers. They just set the premiere date for it this past week. It stars Matt Bomer, who I've loved forever, of course, from The Normal Heart. Boys in the Band. I loved him from Television and White Collar. And it also co-stars Jonathan Bailey from Bridgerton, who I've been in love with for quite a while now. They're clandestine lovers, and it's going to make a streaming debut on Paramount Plus with Showtime on Friday, October 27th, so right before Halloween. It'll debut at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, Fellow Travelers is being billed as an epic love story and political thriller. The series chronicles the forbidden romance of two very different men who meet MacArthur Airing Washington. Bomer plays charismatic Hawkins Fuller, who maintains a financially rewarding behind-the-scenes career in politics. Hawkins usually avoids emotional entanglement, but he meets Tim Laughlin, played by Bailey, a young man brimming with idealism and religious faith, according to the show's description. So it's a series event, and the show was created for television by Oscar nominee Ryan Neiswanner, who did Philadelphia to Homeland. It stars Bomer, Bailey, um, all sorts of a great cast. Allison Williams is in it. And uh, I'm really looking forward to the series coming to death. I'm going to show you a tease of it right now, coming out October 29th. Again, this is Fellow Travelers by two of my favorite actors and both damn good to look at as well. This is a quick preview of the film Fellow Travelers coming to Showtime and Paramount Plus October 29th. I'll be on the other side.
fellow travelers, only on Showtime, streaming with Paramount+. Plus. All right, and finally, entertainment today, we're going to talk about Blue Beetle debuted this weekend. You know I love me a superhero flick. And this is Blue Beetle, uh, Blue Beetle, it dethroned Barbie for the first time in four weeks that a movie has passed Barbie. They're still calling a little bit of poise, disappointment. They thought it would make more than it did. It made $25.4 million, which passed Barbie's. I think they only made $18 million this week. But um, it's a, if you don't know Blue Beetle comics, it's been around. There's been a couple iterations of it. This is the third most recent iteration of it. Um, it stars uh, Zolo Marduena, who is, if you don't know, um, that's like the hardest way to pronounce his name. He also goes by um, Romario Zolo Ramirez from, if you watch Cobra Kai, which I'm a huge fan of, he is one of the stars of Cobra Kai. Um, it's a series that I absolutely love on Netflix. But uh, Zolo stars as the Blue Beetle in this international remake of it. Um, he plays Jamie Reyes, who is, uh, I think this was, like I said, the third iteration, debuted in Crisis of Infinite Earths number three. Jamie's a teenager, discovers a scarab that fuses to his spine, granting him a powerful suit of armor and various abilities. Uh, this version of Blue Beetles gained significant popularity, it's been featured in various comic book series, and it's highly representative of the Latino community. So I think it's very cool that that is happening right now. Uh, it has a great cast in it. I love that Harvey Gillen is in it. He plays the um, villain's kind of doctor, uh, bad doctor in there. And it's uh, it's just a great show. And I saw it this weekend. If you haven't seen it yet and you're into superhero movies, it's cute. I, I hope it gets legs. Like I said, first movie to defeat Barbie in four weeks. Hadn't got all the box was hoping for it, but still did a great job. And uh, I love me a little Harvey Gillen as well. Plus, like I said, um, Ramiro, uh, Romario Zolo Ramirez is great in Cobra Kai as well. So, all right, that is it for this week's Rainbow Rundown right here on Monday, August 21st. Thanks for tuning in. Please share it with your friends. If you haven't subscribed to the Left of Straight Show, hit the little thumbs up and subscribe button on YouTube or hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast distributor. We're on all of them, iTunes, Spotify, um, iHeartRadio, all the good ones. we got a great week of radio because we do do five days a week of programming on Left of Straight Radio Network. As always, every Monday we do this, the Rainbow Rundown. Every Tuesday, we do Five Questions With, which is a bonus segment from our interviews we had the previous week. Coming up tomorrow, I do Five Questions with Spencer Hoddison. He is the founder of Gay Water, a canned adult beverage mix. It's a vodka soda mix coming in four flavors, giving back to the LGBTQ community. So Spencer did a great job on Five Questions. Then I have my five questions with Kim David Smith and Brandon James Gwynn. Their interview was last Friday. They are both performing in Provincetown right now. Uh, if you happen to be in the Provincetown, Massachusetts area, I highly recommend seeing their show. 
Currently, right now, Brandon James Gwynn is playing with two of his friends at the Red Room in Provincetown for Three Men and a Baby Grand. And then September 1st and 2nd, Brandon James, Kim David, Brandon joins Kim David Smith for Kim's show, Mostly Marlene, playing at the Post Office Cafe and Cabaret. So we had a great interview with them last week. If you missed any of those interviews, you can check them out on our YouTube channel or Spotify channel or any of our distributors. But five questions with all three of them tomorrow on Wednesday. Episode four of Bears of a Certain Age, my new podcast with Johnny from The Queer Centric. We're on episode number four, and that is debuting Wednesday. Thursday, I have a brand new interview with drag queen extraordinaire Jessica Lahore from Colorado, if you're not familiar with her. She's a fantastic drag queen, and we had a fun conversation. I'll be airing this Thursday. And on Fridays, my interview with J.D. Doyle. He has a brand new book out, 1981, My Gay American Road Trip, chronicling the um, journals that he kept when he took a road trip across the USA, stopping at all sorts of gay events um, from uh, Virginia to the West Coast and back again. So it's a great book, and we had a great conversation as well. So you can look for that on Friday. That's it. That's the Rainbow Rundown for today. Thanks again for tuning in. Share with your friends. Give us a thumbs up or a five-star rating. Always appreciate listening to you, and we'll see you this week right here on the Left of Straight Radio Network. I'm Scott. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Left of Straight Show. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast distributor and please give us a five-star rating so more listeners can find us. You can follow us on social media and be sure to check out our website, www.leftofstraightradio.com for contests and other news and information. See you next week.